0: Welcome to Be Set Free, the radio outreach of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Be Set Free features the teaching ministry of Pastor Nick Cady. Pastor Nick's desire is to bring the gospel into our lives so we can experience the joy and freedom that can only be found through Jesus. Today's message comes from our series, Revolution, a verse-by-verse study of the Book of Acts. Here's Pastor Nick.
1: Furthermore, there, there must have been many beggars on that street, many lame beggars. And so if these guys also, if they went to the temple every day for prayer, this guy was there every day in front of this gate of the temple. And they would have seen him several times before, but yet on this day, they allowed themselves to be interrupted, and they allowed themselves to have compassionate hearts. Rather than avert their eyes, rather than just hurry by, paying no attention to this man, they stopped in their tracks, they looked him in the eye, and they showed compassion to this hurting person. Now may I suggest to you that that is what God has done for you. Do you realize that that is the message of the gospel? That is what God has done for you. Do you think about this? There are now 8 billion people in the world. We we just recently passed the 8 billion mark uh, for population of the earth. And each and every one of those 8 billion people is broken or hurting in some way or another. And yet think about this, that God has stopped in his tracks and looked you in the eye. He has responded to you and your brokenness has he averted his eyes? No way. Has, has he allowed the sheer number of broken people and things that he has to get done to leave him calloused so that he no longer is even phased by you and your issues? No way. God has stopped in his tracks and looked you right in the eye. He has fixed his gaze upon you. He has stopped in his tracks to deal with you and to care about what's going on with you. Jesus told us that not even a single hair falls from your head without the Father taking notice and caring about it. In all of this big world, with all these people and all these issues and all these problems, the God of the universe would take time to deal with you personally and individually. And this same Peter, he would later write in a letter to all Christians, he would write this in 1 Peter chapter 5, he would say, cast your cares upon him for he cares for you. It's that same heart of compassion that God has shown to us, that he calls us to show to others. In Colossians chapter three, Paul writes this. He says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. What Paul's saying there is this. If you have experienced the love of God, the compassion of God, then respond to that love by living it out in the ways that you treat other people. And so in your dealings with other people, seek to have compassionate hearts, remembering that when it came to you, even though there are eight billion people in this world, God stopped in his tracks and fixed his gaze upon you. He took the time to care about you and show you compassion. So not only do we see in Peter and John an example of having a compassionate heart, but we also see discerning minds. Read with me, please, from verse five. You know, in the Jewish culture, there's a very strong tradition, even to this present day, of giving alms to the poor. Giving of alms to the poor is and, and was considered one of the most important acts of righteousness that a person can possibly do. And so it would have been very easy for Peter and John to just toss this guy a 20 and feel that they had done their good deed for the day and that they had helped this guy out a lot. And they could have just patted themselves on the back for doing a good deed and and gone on their way. And you know what? It's quite likely that there were times in which they did exactly that, where they gave money to beggars and went on their way. But on this day, Peter and John discerned something. They discerned something they hadn't discerned before. You see, in asking for money, what was this man asking for? He was asking to be supported in his present condition. But Peter and John, they discerned something they discerned that what this man really needed was the real help, the truest help they could give him was not to support him in his current condition, but to help him have his life transformed by Jesus Christ. And so this man asked Peter and John for money and and probably holds out his hand or, or holds out something to put money into. And Peter says, silver and gold, I have none. Now, how many times do you think that man had heard that line before, right? Like, sorry, buddy, I don't have any money. Oh, I would give you something, but guess what? I'm fresh out, sorry, maybe tomorrow. I mean, can you imagine what thoughts were going through this man's mind as he hears these initial words? I don't have any money for you. He's probably thinking, "Oh, fine, man. I guess uh, I see how it is. You don't care about me. You don't see the, the mess that I'm in. You don't wanna support me. You don't wanna help me. I'm just asking for a little help. Why don't you care? And here's the other thing I want you to think about. Peter said, silver and gold, I have none. Now, wait a second. Is that really true? Is it really true that Peter didn't have any money at all? Now, now look with me again, if you would, at Acts chapter 2, because there we read at the end of of Acts chapter two, that these early Christians, it says that there were at least 3,000 of them, and these 3,000 Christians kind of pooled their money into one kind of big pot, and they sold their possessions, and they shared everything. So, I mean, 3,000 people, if all of them only have $1, that's $3,000. I mean, probably they got a little bit more than that. So, I mean, you're looking at thousands of dollars, maybe even tens of thousands of dollars in our money that Peter and John did have access to. So how could it be that Peter and John say silver and gold I don't have for you? Those early Christians had lots of silver and gold that they collectively shared between each other. But what we see here with Peter and John, again, is this principle of having discerning minds. This man was asking for money. And Peter and John did have access to a lot of money. But they discerned that, first of all, money, that money wasn't there for this purpose. That was the first thing. And more importantly, they discerned that money wasn't what this man really needed even though this man was asking for a handout, what he really needed was something much more profound. What he really needed was to receive a new life by the power of the risen Jesus. And many times you and I too, we meet people who want to be supported in their present situation. They'll say, help me out. I have a problem. I have an issue. I have a need. And all, if you really care about me, then you'll help me out in this situation. If you really care about me, you'll give me what I'm asking for. But what they're asking for isn't a long-term solution. It's just a kind of a temporary fix. And so it's important that along with compassionate hearts, we also have discerning minds that we're able to discern how to best help a person truly. And many times that's true that when there's a situation which to really help a person is not to give them what they're asking for, but to offer them something much bigger, something much more profound, not just a temporary fix, but a new life. In Jesus Christ. One person put it this way, I love this quote, it said this, it is not the church's business in the world to simply make the present condition more bearable. The task of the church is to release here on earth the redemptive work of God in Christ. That's what Peter did, he grabbed this man's hand and he helped him up and as he took Peter's hand, this man, he was pulled up to his feet and he was healed. Now, I think there's something else interesting here that I consider when I read this, and that's this, that if this man had been sitting in this spot for years and years, every day, we read in chapter four that he was 40 years old, so he's been sitting here for a long time, then we can be sure that this was not the first time that Peter and John would have passed by him. Even more interestingly, we can be almost sure that Jesus himself would have passed by this man on several occasions on his visits to Jerusalem as well. And yet even though this man was lame, he was handicapped, Jesus passed by him, the apostles passed by him, and he was never healed. Now that's interesting because we read many times about how Jesus healed people, but there were also times when it's inferred that Jesus didn't heal sick people. For example, in the fifth chapter of the Gospel of John, we read about a time when Jesus went to a place called the Pool of Bethesda. And this was a pool in Jerusalem, which was kind of a natural spring. And from time to time, water would come into this pool and it would stir the waters. And the common belief was that if a person could get into the waters while the the spring was stirring them up, that they would be healed of whatever physical ailment they had. And so as you can imagine, this is a very popular place for people who had physical disabilities. But the irony of it, right, is that people with physical disabilities don't usually move very quickly, and so they had a hard time getting into the water while the water was moving, and many of them needed someone to help them get into the water. So there in John chapter 5, we read this story of how Jesus goes to the pool of Bethesda, and there's all these sick, handicapped people laying around, wanting to, waiting for the waters to get stirred up so they can jump in. And so what does Jesus do? Well, you might expect that if you're Jesus and you come and there's like a couple hundred handicapped people laying around, what would you do? You'd say, hey everybody, look at me, I'm here. Hey, guess what? You're all healed. Boom, you're welcome, right? But that's not what Jesus did. Instead, Jesus goes, we read in John chapter 5, he goes to a man at the very back like where, where the guy really has no chance of getting into the water and the guy's all by himself and he's handicapped. Like he, cannot, he has no chance of getting into the water on his own. And so Jesus, he goes up to this man and he asks him a question. He says, do you want to be healed? Now, first of all, what kind of question is that for a person who's handicapped at a pool where supposedly people get healed from being disabled and handicapped, right? But of course, Jesus is wanting to dialogue with him. And, and Jesus heals this man. And in that, we just have this wonderful picture of the gospel. I mean, how, how many of you have heard the saying, God helps those who help themselves? And you probably heard it from somebody who said, don't you know that somewhere in the Bible, it says, God helps those who help themselves.
0: You've been listening to a message by Pastor Nick Katie of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We'll get back to the remainder of this message in a moment. We are open for in-person worship on Sunday mornings with services at 8... 9 30 and 11 a.m come grow with us on sunday mornings online or in person at 8 9:30, and 11 a.m now back to pastor nick
1: with the remainder of today's message guess what first of all that's not in the bible and guess what else That's not the gospel. Do you know that? That's so far from the gospel. The message of the gospel is not that God helps those who help themselves. It's that God saves those who can't save themselves. God helps those who can't help themselves. God saves people who can't save themselves, like this man at the back of the line who has no way and no one to help him to get into the waters and be healed. You can never even be in a relationship with God truly until you recognize that you are just like that lame man who can't help himself you see that you've got a problem, and you know where you need to get to, you can see where you need to get to, but you don't have the means to get there. It's that person who says, I need help, I need a savior. Jesus comes to that person and says, do you want to be healed? God helps those who can't help themselves, and that's me, and that's you, and that's the message of the gospel. But not only is that story a wonderful picture of the gospel, but it shows us something else. It shows us this, that Jesus didn't heal all of the sick and handicapped people that he saw. And there were a lot of people at that pool of Bethesda that day, but Jesus only healed one of them. And Jesus must have walked by this crippled man, for example, at the gate called Beautiful several times. But yet he never healed him. Now why? Why, why wouldn't Jesus heal everybody? Well, well, we don't know exactly why, but I'm going to give you three possible reasons for you to consider Uh, The first reason would be this, that Jesus didn't minister only according to needs and opportunities. Jesus ministered according to the leading of the Holy Spirit and in obedience to the Father. I mean, you know, think about this. There were a lot of really good things that Jesus could have spent his time doing on any given day. There were enough lepers and cripples and sick people in Israel in that time that Jesus could have worked 60 hours a week for three years just healing people nonstop, but he didn't do that because he wasn't there only to minister according to needs and opportunities, but according to the leading of the Holy Spirit in obedience to the Father. And that's an important distinction because because there are an infinite number of needs in this world. There are an infinite number of good things that you could be doing at any given moment. But rather than just doing good things, it's important that we seek the Father, that we be led by the Holy Spirit, whom God has given us to lead us in his will, to know what is the best thing that we're to be doing at any given moment in any particular situation. We see Jesus making these kind of decisions all the time, don't we? A crowd is coming to see Jesus and people say, hey look, Jesus, a crowd, awesome. You can heal the sick, you can do miracles, you can teach these people. And what does Jesus do? He gets on a boat and crosses over the lake and goes and spends time with his disciples. Well, why would you do that? There was this awesome opportunity there. Well, you see, Jesus wasn't only responding to needs and opportunities. He was acting according to the leading of the Holy Spirit and the obedience to the Father, so that at the end of his three years of ministry and his high priestly prayer, one of the last prayers that Jesus prayed, he was able to say, I have accomplished all that you sent me to do. And the great message of the book of Acts is that God has now given us the same Holy Spirit who led and empowered Jesus during his ministry. God has given us the same Holy Spirit to lead us in his will, that we too might not only do just good things, but that we might discern what God would have us do in any particular moment or situation. And that's what Peter and John did here. They had walked by this man many times before, but on this day they discerned by the spirit that God wanted to do something special, something miraculous, that God wanted to use them to heal this man. The second thing I would say as to why Jesus didn't heal everybody was this. It wasn't the main thing that Jesus came to do. Now, healing the sick was part of the things that Jesus came to do, because, see, with Jesus, he was coming to establish the kingdom of God, and in this kingdom, there's no more sickness, there's no more death. Even death is abolished in his kingdom. And so Jesus, whenever he came, wherever he went, he gave a preview of coming attractions, a preview of the kingdom, which is to come one day in fullness, The reason Jesus came ultimately was to create a salvation for us that's eternal, in which forever there will be no more sickness or infirmity or death forever. So because the, the third reason here that I would give you for why Jesus didn't heal everybody is this, because God's timing is just as important as God's will. So why didn't Jesus heal this man before? Why didn't the apostles heal this man before? Because God's timing is just as important as God's will, and I think that in my life and in your life, that's an important concept to keep in mind, that God's timing is just as important as God's will. Okay, so let's look at the third thing that we see here. The third thing that we see modeled by Peter and John as they deal with this hurting person, and that is the words of life. Please read with me from verse 11. While he, that's the the man who was just healed, while he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. We are witnesses of this. And to his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given this man this perfect health in the presence of you all. So as this crowd gathers around intrigued at this sight that this man has now been healed, Peter uses this opportunity to share with these people about Jesus. You see, as Peter looked around, he, he discerned something that day, and that's this. He sees this crowd of people and he realizes that the crippled man wasn't the only hurting person there in Jerusalem that day. As this crowd gathered around, Peter looked at these people and he realized that he's surrounded by hurting people. This lame man, his brokenness was visible, but these other people, they were also broken, they were also hurting, only their brokenness was invisible to the naked eye, their brokenness was inward, And that's the fact that Peter discerned that we need to understand too, that all people are broken. And when it comes to hurting people, it's not just those who have some kind of physical infirmity who are hurting. When it comes to helping the hurting, ultimately all people need to hear the words of life, the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so Peter takes advantage of this opportunity with this gathered crowd to share with them the good news about Jesus because this miraculous thing happened, right? But all it did, what did it accomplish? It, all it accomplished was arousing people's interest and attention. But what Peter knew was that faith in God, salvation, it doesn't come through seeing or hearing about miraculous events. We read in the in book of Romans that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So Peter tells these people, look, it wasn't us who healed this man. It's not us. We didn't do anything special. We didn't heal this man. It was Jesus who healed this man. Yes, Jesus, the same one who you crucified, the one you killed. It was through faith in Jesus that this man has been made well. And he says this interesting phrase in verse 15. It's intriguing, right? He says, you killed the author of life. How do you kill the author of life, the very one who created you and gave his life for you? He came to you and you rejected him, you killed him, but God raised him from the dead. Verse 17, and now brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance as did your rulers, but what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Peter says, I know you acted in ignorance, you didn't realize what you were doing. For the Jewish people, they made an important distinction in the Old Testament law between sins of ignorance and sins of presumption. They differentiated between sins which were committed, not realizing that what you were doing was wrong, and sins that you did maliciously and intentionally. And Peter says, look, I know you guys didn't realize what you were doing, but that doesn't remove your guilt either. You guys didn't realize what you were doing, but by rejecting Jesus, by crucifying him, you were fulfilling what God had promised in the Old Testament scriptures that the Messiah would suffer and die for the sins of the people. Read from verse 19, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out and that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. You know, he says, repent. Many people think that repent is really a kind of a negative word. But for Peter, understand this. Repent is a message of hope. Repentance means hope. With repentance comes this promise, this great hope. To repent means to start a new life. To repent means to change directions. To repent means to change your mind. It means to change the things that you're pursuing after in your life. To repent and turn to Jesus comes with this promise that if you will do that, if you will change directions, if you will turn from wherever you're going, whatever you're doing, and follow Jesus, then times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord, and you will receive Jesus, the one whom God appointed for you. This is the message of hope. This is the greatest message of hope the world has ever known. These are the very words of life that if you will change the direction of your life, if you will change your mind and your thinking, if you will give your heart and your mind and your life over to God, then times of refreshing will come to you and God will give you the Savior whom he appointed for you, Jesus. Now let me ask you, hurting people, I believe in a way that's all of us, hurting people, isn't that what you long for in your heart of hearts? Times of refreshing from the presence of God. How do you get that? How do you get to experience those times of refreshing both now and forever? Here's how, by changing directions, by changing your mind about Jesus. Jesus, Peter's saying to these people, you guys once looked at Jesus as someone who needed to be put to death. I want you now to change your mind about him and understand that he is the prince of life. He says, you once nailed him to a cross, but now I'm asking you to change and bow your knee. Maybe you're a person who once said, you know, Christianity is just a crutch for the weak. Change your mind and now now say, no, Christianity isn't a crutch. Christianity is much more than a crutch. It's, It's a wheelchair. It's a hospital bed. It's a whole hospital. It's a surgical team. It's everything that you need because you've been hit. You've been run over by the train of life and you need a savior, you need a healer. And Jesus is the one whom God has appointed for you. So that whatever you might have thought in the past, it's time to change your mind. Whatever path you've been on, even coming in here today, now it's time to change directions and follow Jesus. And if you do that, times of refreshing will come to you, both now and forever, through Jesus. We're gonna stop right here today. We're gonna pick up next week. We're gonna see the end of this message that Peter gave about Jesus, and then we're gonna see the fallout from this message. But for now, I'd like to leave you with this. When it comes to helping hurting people, which really is all people when you get right down to it, let's keep these few things in mind. Let us be those who have compassionate hearts, just as God has had a compassionate heart towards us. Let us be those who have discerning minds that we might truly help people in the ways that they need to be helped. And may we never neglect to share with people the words of life. Amen? Lord, we thank you that you are the author and giver of life. And Lord, we accept and we recognize our culpability in your crucifixion. Lord, that our sins nailed you to the cross. But Lord, thank you that you loved us so much that you went to the cross with joy because you knew that through the cross, Lord, you would bring us back into relationship with you. So Lord, this morning, I pray that you would help us in all the ways that we need to, Lord, would you help us to change our minds about Jesus and change our minds about the way we're thinking about things. Lord, in all the ways that we need to, would you help us to change our course, change the direction that we're going in and follow hard after you. And thank you, Lord, that times of refreshing will come to us from the presence of God and you will give us the one appointed for us. Jesus Christ. We thank you for that and for this wonderful gospel. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: You've been listening to Be Set Free, the radio outreach of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We have three in-person services on Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m. And our 9.30 and 11 services are live streamed on our website for those who would like to worship with us online. We are located just east of County Line Road, and Highway 119 at 2950 Colorful Avenue in Longmont. For more information or to hear other messages from Pastor Nick, visit us online at whitefieldschurch.com. Be Set Free is a listener-supported program. If you have been blessed by this message and would like to support this ministry, you can send a donation via check to 2950 Colorful Avenue, Longmont, Colorado, 80504, or donate online at radio.com.